Chapter 3 of Hidden Foes This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hidden Foes by Nicholas Carter Chapter 3 A Friend Worth Having Nick Carter smiled amusedly when Frank Paulding, having fairly snatched the card and read it, straightened up in his chair and stared at him with almost ludicrous astonishment. "'Nicholas Carter?' he exclaimed. "'The New York detective! Good gracious!' "'Is it so very amazing?' the detective asked dryly. "'Yes, bad joke it is,' said Paulding, pulling himself together. I do indeed know you by name, and who does not? Let the circumstances be what they may, too. I am very glad to become acquainted with you. I am not blind, nevertheless, to the fact that your visit is rather significant. Decidedly so. In reality, in view of your duplicity and covert insinuations that— That you know something about Todd's sudden death, Nick put in, checking him. Don't let that annoy you. I did so, Mr. Paulding, only to assure myself to the contrary. I have succeeded, too, completely. But what was the occasion? Paulding questioned. I don't see, Mr. Carter, why you thought I knew anything about it. I did not really think so, Nick said dryly. I foresaw, however, what others possibly will think, sooner or later, and I wanted to look at you and take your measure before circumstances might make it difficult for me to do so with absolute certainty. He is a wise man, and keen, you know, who anticipates coming events. By Jove, I fail to get you, Mr. Carter, Paulding said more seriously. Take my measure, eh? What others will possibly think? Say you don't... You don't mean that... that Gaston Todd was killed, do you? Not that he was... murdered. Nick glanced at the door, to be sure that he had closed it. He then replied more impressively, I am a stranger to you, Mr. Paulding, but you will make no mistake in meeting me halfway and taking my advice. I frequently am a good friend to have in time of trouble. I know of none I would rather have, Paulding said quickly. That goes, does it? You bet it goes. What now passes between us, then, must be strictly confidential, said the detective. You must, moreover, be governed by my instructions. You will presently see, I think, that that will be the only wise course for you to shape. If you are not inclined to meet me in this way, but I am, Paulding cut in earnestly. I'm not bland. I now see there is something wrong, Mr. Carter, and that you are here in my behalf. I would be more than a fool, sir, if I did not take advantage of your offer. I promise in advance to do what you direct. Very good, Nick said approvingly. You will not regret it. But how am I in the wrong? Paulding asked anxiously. Has a crime been committed? Was Todd murdered? I think so, said the detective. Good heavens! Is it possible that I am suspected of... One moment, Paulding, and I will tell you about it. He then stated the circumstances briefly, insofar as he had figured in the case, and then added pointedly, You now see why I wanted to talk with you, Paulding, and get your measure. 
Yes, yes, I see, Paulding noted. But how did you know that I passed Todd in the corridor just before he died? Or was killed? I saw no one else. I am sure, too, that no one saw me. How did you know I had just left there? For two reasons, Nick replied. One, because you told me so. Ah, told you so? Paulding stared perplexedly. In effect, smiled the detective. You said you had passed Todd about fifteen minutes ago, and I knew that was just about when his body was discovered. Ah, I see. You are a keen reasoner, Mr. Carter. You said there were two reasons, however. The other can be briefly stated. Todd did not look to me like a man who had dropped dead of any organic trouble. He looked like a strong and healthful fellow. I very soon suspected murder. And, having been told of your fight with Todd in the country club last night, I reasoned that you had just met him, perhaps, and been seen by some person who, for some reason, and knowing all of the circumstances, had taken advantage of them to craftily kill Todd and fix the crime upon you, assuming that you had not done it. That's why I lost no time in sizing you up from personal observation. I wanted to do so before you heard of Todd's death, in case you were innocent, of which I was quickly convinced. Have I made it plain to you? Perfectly plain, Mr. Carter, Paulding said earnestly. I am more than grateful. I don't know how I can repay you for your interest in me, a stranger. Don't speak of that, the detective interrupted. I am interested in serving justice, mind you, and am taking what seems to be the best way. I am not absolutely sure that Todd was murdered. An autopsy will determine that. If he was, at such a time and in such a public place, without any disturbance or any superficial wound, it was accomplished by most extraordinary means, and by a knave of exceeding boldness and ability, who may be equally as skillful in hiding his identity and covering his tracks. That's why I've tackled the case in the bud, so to speak, in anticipation of what may follow. I understand, said Paulding. It is now so perfectly plain. We'll get right down to business, then, for I wish you to answer a few questions, Carter replied. As many as you wish, Mr. Carter, and to the best of my ability. Very good. Todd appeared to be waiting for someone, you have said. Yes, that was my impression. Do you know for whom, or how long he had been there? No, neither. Do you know of any person whom he visits, who has rooms or an office in that building? I do not. He was not the type of man I fancied, Mr. Carter, and we never have been good friends. I was told that he was a popular clubman. He was, I admit, and there are many who lacked him. What was the trouble between you last evening? The detective inquired. I was told... I can tell you in a nutshell, Paulding interrupted. He spoke of a young lady in terms that no gentleman should have used. I called him down, Mr. Carter. One word led to another, and we nearly came to blows. That's all there was to it, however, for others interposed, and Todd immediately left the clubhouse. I did not see him again until we met this morning in the Waldmere Chambers. Do you know anything against him, so far as his character and habits are concerned? Well, no, said Paulding, after a moment. He was somewhat dissipated at times, and in with the fast set. He gambled more or less on the quiet, 
and I know he was friendly with other women while paying attention to... To Miss Thurlow, put in Carter, when the lawyer hesitated. Her name was mentioned to me, also, and the fact that a bitter rivalry existed between you and Todd. Well, there is some truth in that, Paulding admitted, flushing. Regardless of my affection and whether she really cares for me, Mr. Carter, I have never considered Todd a fit man for Edna Thurlow. I would not have permitted him to visit a sister of mine if I had one. Edna is young, however, only nineteen, and it's not difficult for a man of Todd's type to deceive an inexperienced girl. I do not mean by that, Mr. Carter, that he would not have cared to marry her. He was out to get her, if possible, and... So are you, Mr. Paulding, aren't you? Nick interrupted. Tell me frankly. Yes, indeed I am, Mr. Carter, if she'll have me. Do you think she will? I hope so. Think so, in fact. Though I have not ventured to ask her. Bear in mind, Mr. Carter, that she is wealthy, prominent socially, and a very beautiful and accomplished girl. While I am only a struggling lawyer, bucking up against a hard game, and with only patronage and income enough to keep me going. But I'll make good, all right, and then... I think you will, Paulding. The detective again interposed. Let it go at that now, for my time is limited. I wish to give you a few instructions, which you must follow to the letter. I will do so, Paulding assured him. You may rely upon that. Much may depend on it, Carter said impressively. As I have said, nevertheless, I am not absolutely sure that Todd was murdered. Nor, if he was, am I sure that you will be seriously involved, or even suspected. I think you may be, however, for the reason stated. And you must, in that case, do precisely what I direct. I certainly will, Mr. Carter, Paulding again said earnestly. To begin with, then, say nothing about this interview, or the fact that we have met and that I am interested in the case, Nick directed. Do not confide in anyone, not excepting Miss Thurlow, even, in case you are arrested and charged with the crime. Good. Heavens, do you anticipate that? Paulding asked anxiously. It is possible, if not probable, the detective replied. You must, in that case, do precisely as if we had not met. Say not a word about me until I countermand these instructions. My presence in Madison is not generally known, and, while looking into this matter, as well as other businesses that brought me here, I may derive an advantage from concealing this fact. I understand, and will act accordingly. You may assert your innocence, employ another lawyer, get bail if you can, and all that, but not a word about me. That goes, Paulding nodded. I'll be dumb as an oyster. Very good, said Carter, extending his hand and rising to go. I will make it a point to see you as soon as possible, in case you are arrested, but do not under any circumstances send for me. On the other hand, do not fear that I will desert you. I shall know all that is going on and will be hard at work for you. That's good enough for me, declared Paulding, warmly pressing the detective's hand. You can bank on me, Mr. Carter. Let come what may, as I am going to bank on you. Good enough, then, the detective added. We'll wait and see how the cat jumps. End of... 
Chapter 3